it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got an interesting one in store today. Um, it is, uh, of course, we're in the middle of March, and um, it might surprise you to learn that with all the things going on in March, St. Patrick's Day and the beginning of spring and Mardi Gras and the Oscars, um, that it's also... Um, <laughs> it's also... National Kidney Month, and we're, you won't be as surprised after we uh, talk about it later in the show. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, Dr. Adam Weinstein, Chief Medical Information Officer for DaVita Kidney Care, is going to talk about uh, kidney health and a lot more. In the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Gary Lee Miller, who uh, has been a businessman, an entrepreneur, also uh, uh, an actor and author, and he's written a, a fascinating uh, uh, story about, um, well, it's it's called Finding Grace, and it's about Grace Lee and her granddaughter Judith and Judith's trip from Los Angeles to Nashville, Um as uh, part of um, Grace Lee's uh, dying wish. And a uh, very fascinating story. But also, we have uh, to start out this morning a, uh, a very uh, fascinating story, especially with all the uh, talk about um, Roe v. Wade and its future in the Supreme Court. We're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, politics and science and health care um, and, and how those things all sort of roll together in a new book. My guest this hour is, um, well, she's studied at Johns Hopkins University, has a JD from Georgetown University. Uh, she volunteers uh, her expertise in public health policy and refugee law to organizations working in Afghanistan, Malawi, and Mexico, and is a uh, returned Peace Corps volunteer from the Kyrgyz Republic. And she has a new book about her own personal experience called Challenging Pregnancy, A Journey Through the Politics and Science of Healthcare in America. And uh, it's just come out this month, March of uh, 2022. And uh, she joins me by phone, Genevieve Grabman. Genevieve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. 
It's probably the longest introduction I've ever given, but... Um, <laughs> it was really quite a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I had to set up the whole show, and also I wanted to make sure people uh, people understood that you. A, a lot of people run into difficult situations with... Uh, with healthcare, with healthcare, <laughs> healthcare, um, healthcare in the U.S. It's sometimes a little bit like healthcare, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, and, yeah, and a lot of be. people, and a lot of people have had uh, high risk or challenging pregnancies, um, but you have knowledge and skills that not everybody has, and you would think you'd be able to. Um, navigate the system better than most. <laughs> Yet that wasn't quite your experience, was it, Genevieve? Well, no, it wasn't. Um, Tom, let me, could, if you'll permit me, I'll set up the, the story a little bit. Yeah, about, please. You know, um, so I uh, got pregnant with, um, well, I got pregnant, and I it thought that the pregnancy did not because it didn't, nothing seemed to be happening with the pregnancy, and I went in and talked to the doctor, and the doctor said, hmm, this doesn't seem like it's, it's growing. And so she set me up for, um, for a follow-up where I was just, I had a blighted ovum is what it was called. It was just a fertilized egg that didn't stick, hadn't, hadn't implanted properly, and we were just going to take care of that, and I was just going to go on my happy way. So I showed up to the, to the doctor's office to take care of what this should have been a blighted ovum. And the doctor is scanning me and she said, oh, wait, no, no, not a blighted ovum. In fact, there's two in there. And I sat up and I was so upset. And I said, what do you mean? I said something else not very nice. And <laughs> she said, oh, but uh, it, this doesn't look right. And so from that, this doesn't look right. That's what kicked me off for then, I guess it was 34 weeks of a pregnancy where something wasn't right. And I spent the entire time that I was pregnant searching the country and then the world for someone to help me save that pregnancy. It turned out that I was pregnant with identical twins whose uh, amniotic sacs had used and whose um, blood vessels had conjoined and that uh, in a in a syndrome called twin to twin transfusion syndrome and this situation is usually fatal to the twins and it can be fatal to the person carrying the pregnancy and so I was going all over the place trying to save this pregnancy spending money that I had and then money I didn't have time that I had and then time that I didn't have. And I should have been the person who was most able in the world if I needed to get help to get help for a pregnancy because it is true I have a, I have a master's degree in public health from Hopkins. I'm, I'm a, a lawyer and who specialized in reproductive rights and health. I know all sorts of doctors all over the place and yet no one, I couldn't figure out how to save myself, and I couldn't find doctors to help me. And that was even, you know, uh, looking through medical review articles late at night. I, you know, bought 
um, subscriptions to the Journal of American Medicine, uh, JAMA, and Medline and everything, and I would go and I'd look through all these articles and then track down the writers of uh, the doctors and scientists who had written the articles and figure out where they were located and send them emails in English or French or Spanish or any any language <laughs> I thought that they might be able to read, trying to get help. And I realized that as I was, as I was going through this process, there were two major issues. Number one is of privilege. And you touched on that, Tom, in your introduction. And that is, I have all the privilege in the world. I have the privilege of, of relative wealth, right? Because I live in the United States. We, I have the privilege of location. I have the privilege of race. I'm white. And I have the privilege of education. And if with all this privilege, well, and I don't want to, I don't want to struggling to save myself. It was, it was a lot. Yeah, I don't want to dig too deep into this, but but you also work at uh, at the UN, which puts you in a position to have contacts and and to know people and have ways to communicate with people all around the world. Um, Yeah, and 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 so it, it seems like if anybody. Uh, could do that. Yeah, could could do this. Is now when you how rare is this uh are these complications and and this condition? So, it, it, it super rare, but it, having TTTS, twin to twin transfusion syndrome wasn't the only problem I had. Uh the the pregnancy was also complicated by several other conditions um uh, selective interuterine growth restriction, which just meant that one baby was growing and the other one was not. Um, there was a problem with the placenta. There was a problem with the umbilical cord uh, for one of the babies. And then get this, Tom, they thought <laughs> one of the babies they thought had a tail and also potentially a parasitic triplet. <laughs> so if everything that went wrong did and like the the doctors at this point were throwing up their hands they had never seen anything like this before in their lives um and they uh here here's the other problem i mentioned too right yeah Yeah. it's just incredibly rare uh yeah i had a lot of privilege and that wasn't that wasn't saving me and then there was politics and that's where I think my story really begins, and that's why I'm, I'm happy we're having this conversation now, because the politics, the political situation in the United States, both politics locally and certainly politics nationally, meant that I couldn't get the help that I needed when I needed it, because there was fear that if a doctor intervened in the pregnancy and provided me fetal surgery, that that would result in terminating one of the twins. And the abortion restrictions in this country meant that doctors couldn't say things to me. They couldn't use certain instruments and techniques. And ultimately, they were prohibited in providing me fetal surgery to try to save the pregnancy. And mind you, I was not seeking an abortion. I was seeking to save the pregnancy. But what I found out was you, you were trying to save of abortion. Yeah, you yeah. Had, you had these twins. You were trying to save one yeah. or the other or both, ideally or both. Or myself. 
or yes, ideally both, then one, then myself. Because I already had a baby at home. I was still nursing him when I got pregnant again. So losing me wouldn't have benefited anybody. But what we've done, Tom, in this, in this country is by restricting certain techniques that can be used, yes, to terminate a pregnancy, we've wound up making it really difficult to save complicated pregnancies. And I keep asking, is this what we've intended? Well, that reminds me of some of the debates and some of the negotiations around Roe v. Uh, Wade-related uh, conversations and, and legal actions, talking about restricting um, abortion except in the case where the mother's life is at risk or rape or incest and, and all of these these negotiations. And what you're talking about begs the question, Genevieve, if, if, um, if this situation is extremely rare, are there, in fact, procedures that, you know, would help? And how did, how did they get caught up in that debate? Right. This situation is rare, but every pregnancy has the ability to go sideways pretty quickly. Pregnancies are fairly complicated things. Fetal development is a complicated thing. And the exceptions to abortion bans that we are seeing now often say, okay, some provide no exceptions whatsoever, right. like the um, uh, bans in Texas and now the other one being um, considered in Idaho. Some try to say that they only provide bans in uh, where the pregnancy was forced through rape or incest. That was not my case. Some say that they will only allow um, intervention um, in cases of the life of the mother. Now, I wasn't immediately dying, as would be the case if I had, for example, an atopic pregnancy, which would be killing me. Um, in fact, I, you know, that my, my longer term, like, you know, I wasn't immediately dying. I could hemorrhage at some point. I could balloon and my blood, pre my blood pressure could um, skyrocket. I could have a stroke at some point, but I wasn't immediately dying. So probably those, that option would not have applied to me. And sometimes they say, well, if the mother's life is at risk and, or uh, health is at risk. And yes, my health was at risk, but I probably would have had to have had a number of doctors say that my health was at risk. And if it were, for example, only my mental health that was at risk, meaning that I had gone psychotic or become incredibly um, depressed, most uh, states now with a health exception do not permit a mental health exception. Hey, but, um, and then finally, you know, there's very few exceptions for fetal abnormality, which was absolutely what I was facing. Genevieve, um, sorry to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for okay. a few minutes so we can talk some more? I'd love to. Okay. Um, we're going to let our uh, broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And we'll be back to talk some more right Hello after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with uh, attorney and uh, public health advocate and author, um, Genevieve Grabman, author of Challenging Pregnancy, A Journey Through the Politics and Science of Healthcare in America. And uh, Genevieve, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No, thank you so much. Thanks for keeping me. Um, I, I want to talk about this some more. I'm, I'm, I, I am the worst person in the world to talk about healthcare-related things because, you know, like like some people, <laughs> my eyes go all glassy and I don't understand all the the language and the terminology. But um, can I, I had somebody write to me during the break that had the same experience, or or at least um, had a pregnancy with the same condition involving twins which you Mm -hmm. know considering how rare it is is uh, um, interesting in and of itself but we were talking about how rare this this condition is and I wish you'd set that condition back up again and then talk about what the procedures are and and how they got caught up and and blocked from um being available to physicians who could do the procedures. Right. Thank you for that. So I think we were discussing um, twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, which I said affects only identical twins. And remember, identical twins are relatively rare as as it is. They they only occur in, I think, what is it, one in every 4,000 pregnancies? And so then um, for something to go, uh, for twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, it affects maybe about 10% of identical twin pregnancies. But I didn't have only twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Um, In addition, I had something that was called selective interuterine growth restriction, SIGR, which affects also about 10% of identical twin pregnancies and so we're like I don't know what is it 10% of 10% of of, of of a low percent um and then we had several other confounding factors including um you know uh some problems as I mentioned with the the placenta with the umbilical cord and some particular issues with one of the fetuses itself and so we were looking at a rare thing but Tom we learned this with COVID right we learned that where you have a, uh, something that's relatively rare in a large population, then you actually have pretty high numbers of whatever that rare thing is. And so with COVID deaths, for example, I mean, blessedly, COVID, the COVID death rate wasn't particularly high, isn't particularly high, but in a giant population like the United States of over 300 million, then even something that's relatively rare becomes sufficiently common where we know, like with COVID deaths, we have 1 million people that have died. Similarly so with um, challenges in pregnancy. With so many pregnancies in a large population, even things that are rare become known. And so even this is why you have a guest on your show and a caller to your show that have experienced something similar. And that is why, getting to the, the point, we cannot be restricting... Um, what doctors can do in pregnancy legislatively 
because ultimately what that's going to happen is that on an individual level, we're going to be preventing pregnant people um, from getting the help that they need. Something that seems really rare that never could possibly happen is in fact happening every single day in a country as large and diverse as the United States. And so that means getting to the second aspect of your question, okay, what was prohibited? Why couldn't you get the help that you needed? I mentioned that fetal surgery was prohibited. The doctors were not allowed to use um, certain tools, scopes they were called, to um, perform fetal surgery on me because those scopes had not been approved for the type of fetal surgery that was proposed, that my doctors proposed to do. So that was the uh, res- uh, restriction in just even using the tool. In addition, the hospital ethics boards at several hospitals that I consulted throughout the United States, all over the place, ultimately feared that they would be, the hospitals would be seen as permitting abortion because the um, intervening in the pregnancy and providing me fetal surgery to save one of the twins might have terminated the life of the other of the twins. And so the hospitals ultimately prohibited any surgery because they said, okay, that that risk was too great. And And my doctor said that they felt that the hospitals had been cowed by anti-abortion politics. And so, personally, that meant that I just had to wait until the end of my pregnancy at 34 weeks to find out who would come out of this pregnancy alive. Would it be three people, two people, one person, or nobody? And that waiting is torturous. And we, I wonder if that's what we really want for our mothers and for our children and for our people in this country as we set up these restrictions on health care. Genevieve, is it a spoiler alert if I if I asked how it turned out? <laughs> how many people survived? Yeah. So, no, it's, <laughs> you it's you not left a those hanging alert. there. <laughs> well, I mean, I would love I would love 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 if if um your if we could if your listeners would consider um, looking up my book. But let me let me uh, spoil the plot for them all the same. We we all survived. We all survived. At the end of the pregnancy, there was actually a, a kind of an interesting twist. Ultimately, an abortion doctor saved me and my twins because he said that the flip side of destruction is creation. By knowing what techniques he could use to terminate a pregnancy, ultimately he figured out how to save my pregnancy. I'm incredibly indebted to him. I dedicate the book to him. And um, we all survived we all survived the pregnancy um, at great cost, Ultim- at great cost, I would say, also to the American public, by the way. Um, uh, the, the babies went into the neonatal intensive care unit for, for five weeks after a pretty intense birth situation. Um, and then they were released, and they had years and years of all sorts of occupational and physical um, and speech and other therapies um, on the public dime. They were ultimately paid for by um, uh, public health services called Strong Start, for example, where I'm located, and um, through through Medicaid because, in fact, we had um, blown through all the money we had 
to be able to to pay for these these very compromised twins. And so, again, we all lived, thank goodness. We all are relatively healthy now, thank goodness, but at great, great cost. With the with the twins, um, I'm I'm not sure I I completely understand yet, Genevieve, what was going on with them physically and what had to be done to um, unencumber them. <laughs> so, if you think about um, you know a, just a, a single baby inside um, a single fetus growing inside a mom. So they have um, the the fetus, you know, it's growing inside a uterus. Inside the uterus, there is a, a bubble, a sack of waters, right? Think of how cool it was. And Julius Caesar was supposedly born in the cowl. He was born inside his sack of waters. And so that's the, that sack of waters. And inside that sack of waters is connected to the placenta. And then um, from the placenta through that sack of waters, connected to the baby is the umbilical cord. So that, that's kind of how a, a, a developing fetus is set up as it develops. And if you have twins, you have two of those. All those except for you have one placenta, you have one uterus, then you have usually for, um, for most twins, you have two sacks of waters, two umbilical cords, two developing fetuses. With my identical twins, there are two sacks of waters, um, they're amniotic sacs, stuck together. And they almost were not separated. They almost formed one sack of waters. And in addition, the blood vessels that went from, that should have gone um, through the umbilical cord, through the sack of waters up to the placenta, connected across these sacs from one baby to the next meaning that one baby's heart pumped all its blood through, its, through these blood vessels to the next baby. So we had one baby pumping away all its blood, and the other baby, the other developing fetus, ballooning with blood that, that um, he was getting from his brother, and also ballooning with amniotic fluid that he was producing. And so what that meant is you had one um, fetus that had no resources to draw upon because it was pumping away all its, its food and its, and its um, you know, in its blood, had very little amniotic fluid. And the other one who was, whose heart was like failing under the strain of all this blood and um, who was producing a ton of amniotic fluid that in return was causing a great deal of pressure on me who was um, bearing this pregnancy. So that, that is a little bit of what was going on. And what the doctors were seeking to do is separate the blood vessels that had connected, the fetus's blood vessels that had connected across their sacks of water. They would have gone in through me with, um, with a laser, and they would have um, cut the various connecting blood vessels. But recall that because one baby was pumping away all its blood to the other, the, the act of cutting those blood vessels may have meant that you would have been cutting off the source of blood from one baby and it would have caused that baby to, to that fetus to die while trying to save the other baby who was uh, pumping away all its blood. Then what kind of connection was there when they were delivered? 
So when they were delivered, <laughs> oh Tom, if you're not, if you don't like health stuff, so I'm I'm going to make this as delicate as possible. So also, so every single like guy who's listening doesn't go and just say, ah, I give up. <laughs> um, <laughs> they so one baby was was delivered um, co- completely normally, naturally as as babies are delivered prematurely. I had to be um, induced because the scans the doctors were giving me, they started to scan me even every single day and all of a sudden the doctor said oh no the little one the tiny the tiny twin who was pumping away all his blood he's dying you got to get him out right away I've given 24 hours to get to to give birth he said you wait any longer than that you're the the whole pregnancy is going to fail because if one baby died um in utero it would have caused the death of the other one so he said get get right away to a hospital you need to deliver so got to the hospital they induced me, and out came the larger twin, um, normal normally, um, and he um, he he was born with uh, I guess a hole in his heart and had respiratory issues. He had to be rushed uh, straight into onto a ventilator, but he he was born. He was not connected um, to his brother because recall it was his amniotic sac that was connected to his brother. But that caused a problem. So he was born, and then I, um, they were trying to find the next twin to deliver him. Uh, and that twin, because he was so premature, he did not want to be born. It was too early for him. Um, because of the connections of the amniotic sacs, I started to, to hemorrhage, to bleed, and lost a whole lot of blood. And ultimately, they had to rush me into surgery, and uh, two and a half hours later, they delivered by C-section um, after they stopped my hemorrhage, um, uh, the, the other twin. And that twin was um, less than three pounds, also with holes in his heart. Um, he, interestingly, was not in terrible respiratory distress, unlike his larger brother, and they just but he was ghostly white because he had very little blood since he had pumped it all away, and then ultimately I had hemorrhaged what was left. And so they uh, flashed him to me. He was like pale, ghostly white, the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Just flashed him to me and ran him um, into the uh, the NICU where they then gave him his first of three blood transfusions to try to save him. But ultimately they did um and 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 just very quickly uh, how old are they now they are six it, it took me a long time to write this book because i wound up having three under two years <laughs> three three and two years and then in the course of writing this book i also have um adopted another kid so it took me a while but they're now six and they're they're mostly okay they're mostly okay. Modern medicine is a blessing, and we're so, so lucky to live in the United States where we do have access to many things that people in the rest of the world do not. Well, that's that's what I wanted to do so everybody could, you know, sigh a little breath of relief <laughs> as talk about how they're doing now. Um, but yeah. but the real question and, and the important um, information that that comes out of your book and and i 
was a little surprised by by this phrase and how much it it haunted me a little bit a journey through the politics and science of healthcare in America how politics science and healthcare all end up in a sentence is a little troubling to me but let's uh, let's let's talk about that for a minute what is it that because things are changing public opinion is changing about uh, a, room, a woman's right to choose RV, uh, Roe v. Wade is is not going to survive the current Supreme Court forever. You're right. Um, You're right. It, it, it may not continue to be the law of the land. Um, right. And I, I, I guess the question then becomes, what what needs to be done procedurally, legislatively to allow doctors to make the life-saving decisions they're capable of? So I would say that allowing doctors to, that's exactly correct. We as, as a people, and especially now State by state, because you're right, Roe v. Wade's not going to survive. I doubt that it will. Um, and it's going to become a state-by-state state thing, and I imagine that this is going to be quite the debate in, in, in Michigan, Tom. Um, state by state, we need to think about, we need to recognize that for every health care issue, politicians are ill-equipped to think about the, the individual um, situation that each person finds his, him or herself in. And doctors go through a lot of training to try to know and understand and respond to each patient individually. So by prohibiting legislatively with a stroke of the pen from on high certain tools, procedures, words, um, then what we are doing is we are putting at risk all sorts of people, all sorts of, uh, for, and, and putting at risk doctors who are trying to save patients with all sorts of conditions that the politician could not possibly imagine. And furthermore, by prohibiting, for example, by just saying, oh, yeah, we prohibit abortions because we're trying to save babies, you, um, the politician forgets that Throughout a pregnancy, things can change, and that fetal development is quite complex, that pregnancies are quite complex, and that pregnant people and doctors are good. We're motivated by desires to save usually ourselves, and that doctors are motivated by a desire to help and to save their patients. And by trying to prohibit, again, my desire first and foremost to save myself for the benefit of my nursing existing child, and by prohibiting my doctors from trying to help me, then all that's doing is causing untold suffering. And we, it's something that we, we need to think about very critically, this prohibition with this, of, of abortion because of this desire to save future life is in fact imperiling existing life. It's imperiling existing pregnant people and children who are dependent on their, their pregnant mom. 
and it's putting at great risk doctors who cannot use the tools and their education and the techniques that they've learned to serve their patients. And but, I keep asking, is this what we intend? It, but it's, it's um, when the legislature attempts to um, address specific medical procedures as a way to deal with the philosophical issues they're trying to legislate that you end up with something where laws that were designed to thwart abortion ended up getting in the way of really this this all of this is an unintended consequence of the fight against abortion yes it is an unintended consequence against the, uh, the fight against abortion because we've been blinded. We've been so blinded in our desire to fight abortion that we forget that that what we're doing is we are we are stopping doctors from being able to save real live patients in real live pregnancies. I wanted to save my pregnancy. I wanted to save my life and the lives of the fetuses that I was carrying. But anti-abortion politics was preventing me and my doctors from from doing exactly that, from trying to for being able to save this pregnancy. And and the condition was just rare enough to be excluded from consideration in the development of these uh, various uh, regulations and, and rules and so on. It was rare, but as I was trying to explain, Tom, with reference to, you know, COVID, it is, it is not so rare that it does not affect thousands of women within our giant country of ours every single year. And it is but one of the many, many, many conditions that can come up during any pregnancy. So whereas you have many rare conditions that could occur, ultimately you have pregnancies that are, are that you know, the average pregnancy is often very complicated. And so we should, instead of restricting what doctors can do, we should instead allow doctors to use their expertise and use all tools possible to try to uh, save and assist pregnant people. My guest is Genevieve Grabman, the author of Challenging Pregnancy, A Journey Through the Politics and Science of Healthcare in America. And Genevieve, we're, we're out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more um, about what's next for you and your work, past, present, and future, the book, and so on. Um, obviously, the book is a great place to start, but do you have a website you could share? I do. It's just my name, GenevieveGradman.com. I have the book up there and also um, some of my other writing. I have a little blog and I write some op-eds and things like that. I would love it if your readers could check me out. I would love it also if they would uh, consider um, looking at my book, Challenging Pregnancy. Um, It is available, of course, through your big boxes, your Amazons and things, but why not support um, some independent... um, booksellers and independent publisher located in the Midwest. My publisher is um, University of Iowa Press, and you can go to University of Iowa Press's website and purchase the book directly from them, and 
you know, support an academic and independent publisher in the Midwest. Of course, it is also available for you on Amazon, too, if that's easier for well, you. Well, Genevieve, thank you so much, and keep up the Hi, good work. this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip-flip technology. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Mom always likes you best. (laughs) My mom always liked my brother best, and she never liked me. Mom and... You, you and mom. Why do you keep telling me mom always likes you because best? Because she. Every re- time you get mad, you say, Mom always liked you best. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, mom always liked you best. You and and you always picked on me? You and mom. You and, my mom and my brother get together and say, We don't like you. Because mom liked you best you know and she why never I, liked me. Wait a minute. Do you know why she liked me best? She. Oh. <laughs> Would you like to know why? She liked me best. Sure, she liked me best. Why not? I never knew mom liked you best. You and mom always used to pick on me. That's now I remember. Yeah, now you remember. Mom liked you best and she never liked me. You want to know why? Why? Because I happen to be an only child. Touchy, touchy. Touché, touché. This just isn't your night, Tommy. Your mom gave you a dog. My mom gave my brother a dog, and I didn't get to have a dog in more than Everybody had dogs. I didn't have a dog. You got to have a dog in more than anything in the whole world. I wanted to have a dog of my own. I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I want to have a dog like my brother Dickie Smothers. You remember me, I'm Tommy Smothers. And I never got to have a dog, and you wouldn't let me play with your dog or anything. I remember when I was 10 years old, I said, if I could only have a dog. My brother had a dog, and I couldn't... I didn't get to play with your dog, and you you would always tell Mom when I play with your dog, Hey, Tommy's playing with my dog. You remember Tommy, the kid you don't like so much? (laughs) And I didn't get to play with a dog, and I didn't have a dog. Hold it a minute. Before we go any further, you... You know, you had your own pet already. Crummy chicken. Well, you wanted it. It's no fun playing with a chicken. They don't bark good. You wanted it. You I didn't you, want that. You wanted to sell the eggs. It was a rooster. And every Saturday, my brother, they would, all, the, all of his friends, they get on their, they all get up their dogs and they get their bicycles. And they, I didn't have a bicycle either! You had a bicycle! Now hold it, now, yeah, hold it down. Now. You're just getting excited. You had a wagon. That was a good wagon. One wheel? What'd you do with the other wheels? Well, it was hard for the chicken to pull that one wheel wagon. Listen. You never liked me and you went on hikes and you... and. You know why you didn't get to go on hikes? You, you never had, would accept you know, me. You even had a dolly. A what? A dolly. My brother had a doll. You shut up. You shut up about my doll. You had that dolly. I remember you and your dolly. I said, Mom, don't give me a dolly. I, 
I was always, I always liked my brother. Mom says, always like your brother. And I liked my brother. We used to hang around and do things together. Every, about once every three or four months, he'd say, come on, Tom, let's go smoke some Crayolas. <laughs> I certainly did not say that. You did too! I did not. Stains your teeth. You go it? on hikes! That's right, we went on hikes because dogs and boys go on hikes. You can't take a chicken on a hike. Frank was a good hiker. Listen, all the guys knew Frank was the best hiking chicken in the block. The reason you couldn't go on a hike, you couldn't keep up. You and that crummy wagon. But you want to know the reason? Fastest one wheel wagon around! All right, Tommy, you want to know the real reason? is that it wasn't your place to go on a hike with us. It's, we liked you, we liked the chicken, but boys and dogs, they go on hikes together, they're buddies, you know? A little boy even sleeps with his dog. You've never realized the place for a boy in his chicken. Chicken coop. You should have kept that crummy chicken in that chicken coop, Tom, and away from my dog. My uh, chicken killed his dog. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Of having near inspired. 
and repeats in my ear. Don't you know, little fool, you never can win. You show mentality. Come Before I begin now Hey little Alan said I got you I got you, I got you On my, my skin
We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>